Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Really 007 podcast. I'm your host, Tom Pickup, and in this episode, we'll be discussing The World is Not Enough. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> there are various places you can find us and listen in, including iTunes and Spotify. Keep sharing our episodes, and once again, thank you for rating and recommending us. Special shout out tonight to fan Gary K, as he's known on Twitter, don't know his real name, but thanks for your support, sir, online. We're available on most social media platforms, not just Twitter, also Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Really 007 Pod and join in on the debate. My team discussing the first Pierce Brosnan film we've we've covered so far on Really 007. I've no idea what's going to come to that. I've no idea what people are going to say. We've got a crack team. We've got three, three gentlemen. We've got Math Pickup. We've got Rob Parker, and we have got the world is not enough's biggest fan in the world, John Kell. <laughs> Good evening, gents. Good evening. Good evening. What a great, what a great way to spend an evening. It is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Can I be the first to do this? Oh yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right, I need to rush down and get a, get a cold on there. <laughs> We've got three three fellow Bond fans, and we're going to talk about a Bond movie. And what could be better than that? It's nothing. Nothing at all. You're right. (laughs) Text to the wife, get me a beer. (laughs) 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 The World is Not Enough was the third Pierce Brosnan film and was the last Bond film of the 20th century. Can we hot on the heels of the divisive Tomorrow Never Dies? It was another box office success and probably... I'd say the second most critically acclaimed of Pierce's films, after Goldeneye, obviously. It was the first Scottish Bond film, set in Scotland, starring Scottish actors Robert Carlyle, Robbie Coltrane, and the theme song performed by Shirley Manson. Quick joke there, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> That's a very good joke, Tom. It's not yeah. bad, is it? 
Sadly, it marks the end of an era, though. Uh, Desmond Llewellyn had played Q in every film, apart from Doctor No, the first one, and weirdly, Live and Let Die, up until this point. But he sadly retired from the franchise. And, of course, uh, Desmond tragically died weeks before the premiere in a car accident. And his replacement was, for me, the perfectly cast John Cleese. And we will be discussing his performance later this evening. The title, of course, is James uh, James Bond's family motto. Uh, I don't know whether to bring the Latin version of that, because it could well appear in John's quiz. No, it doesn't. No, no, go for Good. it. Good. Well, it's Non Sufficit Orbis, which originally appeared, of course, in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Another one of John's favourites. Well, I'm sure, all of our favourites, hopefully. The story of The World Is Not Enough <laughs> centres on Bond investigating an attack onto the MI6 building in London, part of a plot against his boss, M., who then are forced into hiding in Scotland. Skyfall marked the... Sorry, sorry. Uh, so it's just... Uh, just... <laughs> oh, no. Too easy, these gags, aren't they? they really are. Write them seven. <laughs> well, we'll talk about the writers very shortly. <laughs> so, the world is known as enough, not Skyfall. Yes, they, they feature the same elements, okay. But in this film, Electric King is revealed to be the secret power behind the plot which also involves the oil industry. As the countdown begins to the 21st century, it's good to know there is still one number you can always count on. Bond. Bond. Can't you just say hello like a normal person? Renard is behind this. He will die along with everyone in the city. We do not negotiate with terrorists. His only goal is chaos. I sent 009 to kill Renard. He put a bullet in his head. That bullet's still there. He feels no pain. He can push himself harder, longer than any normal man. No hard feelings, Mr. Bond. It appears that you have been beaten. Don't make this personal. I can't do that. I just can't help thinking I'm next. New model. The very latest in interception countermeasures. And six beverage cup holders. I've always tried to teach you two things. First, never let them see you bleed. And the second? Always have an escape plan. For the world's greatest secret agent. You've confused hundreds of these, right? When the stakes are high. Yeah, but they're usually standing still. Life's full of small challenges. And the danger hits too close to home. He has M. By noon tomorrow, you'll feel nothing at all. I thought it was your job to protect me. It's not just professional. Someone's tampered with the bomb. It's personal. I have to get it back or somebody's going to have my butt. First things first. I'm going to find him. Who's afraid now, Mr. Bond? I will not miss. I never miss. Do you want to put that in English for those of us who don't speak spy? Why am I suddenly worried I'm not carrying enough insurance? Your time is up. The world is not enough. First of all, as we usually do, we run through our own relationship with the film. So we know what John thinks, we'll leave him last. Let's start with math. What what are your opinions and history of uh, your relationship with The World Is Not Enough? 
well, I was trying to picture when we watched it at the cinema. I, I'm pretty certain it was the the opening Friday when it came out because that's what we we've always tried to do. I presume it was at Pillsworth, you know, the um, Warner Brothers Cinema in Bury. I can't, but I, I can't particularly remember it. I can't, I can't remember <laughs> the occasion or anything. And but I, I do remember more <laughs> more vividly our second viewing of it. We went on a family holiday to Marbella. I think on the way there, we've got wind that there's a possibility you could, you know, one of the options to, to watch a film, even though it was only, you know, the flight wasn't that long, um, was The World Is Not Enough. So we were like, oh, come on, please let that be it on the way back. And then, you know, the first question, as soon as we got on the plane, what's the film? What's the film? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's James Bond. Or, you know, like, yes, get in. <laughs> um, when, when they started, like when they first put the, the video on, um, it wasn't it wasn't Bond and I remember a guy opposite us like hey it's meant to be James Bond who's <laughs> 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 this legend who's well, this legend yeah. um, but what what they did do was they fast forwarded the pre-title sequence <laughs> yes, uh, yes. inexplicably no. yeah it was um, sure no. time wasn't there for the flight yeah the yeah. I presume, I, yeah I presume that's why Anyway, so we got to watch the rest of the film. Um, there was, a, there was um, partway through the flight, there was some turbulence, and I looked across to the to the guy who'd said, you know, uh, about you know how, what's going on, why isn't it James Bond? And uh, he was um, he was actually um, like cradling his his wife because she was in tears because of the turbulence. <laughs> so, so, so I thought I remember thinking as a kid, like, come on, mate, why aren't you watching that? But yeah, you know, in hindsight, yeah. I think. I think he, I think he was doing the right thing. So anyway, sorry, that's such a long-winded, uh, long-winded answer. Um, Brilliant. Um, I can't. I mean, I must have watched it a few times, but then, then about three years ago, it must have been the first time I watched it in a long while, and well, I can't just watch it on DVD. And then in recent years, it's been on the, it's been on ITV quite a few times. So I've I've watched it each time, and then obviously watched it in anticipation of this. So yeah, um, I won't I won't spoil my thoughts on it just yet, mm. but. I can remember going to the cinema and watching it on the Friday, and I do remember certain bits of it um, that we will discuss. But I don't really remember the whole watching it on video, renting it at that stage, an awful lot. I presume we must have bought it on DVD. Yeah, well, I think we got it on. I think it was still video ah, um, yes. by then. I think, and it was an an added one on that. <clears throat> you know where it had their faces on the side. Yes. For for possibly for tomorrow never dies, but certainly for this. It sort it sort of fit in, but it didn't in a way yeah. because it had like a bit of the poster on, like you know Denise Richards and Sophie Marceau on it. Um, but oh, when when a Bond film came out on video as well, that was yeah. that was another real big milestone. So we really study that film, which we will do tonight. <laughs> uh, Rob, <laughs> we, did you watch it at the cinema with us? I can't remember. I didn't on this one, I think. I think um, when the Brosnan movies were coming out, I, um, we were sort of... Obviously, you and me, Tom, are very similar in age. Um, so I think it was... We were in our you know mid-teens when the Brosnan movies were in their sort of big pomp. And it was a big deal for me to go uh, with Dad and my younger brother, Johnny, oh, to go and watch them. So we went to the UCI in Warrington, UCI at Westbrook, uh, to go and watch this. Just as we'd done with... Ah, the one before it, Tomorrow Never Dies. Um, and the, what I... <laughs> really love these what films. I re- <laughs> it's present. No. No, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. no spoilers. No, I, I, you know, I t- that, that tradition of going you know, to see a Bond film with Dad um, actually expired with yeah. Bond from Solace. That was it. It was never done again. Uh, because, you know, during it, Mum came with us and she was on her phone, you know, throughout the, the movie. Mm. So um, 
Anyway, so. uh, that's by the by. So yeah, it's. Um, I remember really the reveal of the title song by Garbage. Yes, that's one of the ones I really remember from this, um, and me thinking that I, you know, it felt really Bond. I, uh, and I'm, I'm definitely um, a. If there's possible to be a title song apologist, um, I think the run of Goldeneye, obviously Goldeneye, but Tomorrow Never Dies and Twine are really good title songs. I really like all three of them. So um, uh, yeah, this really sat with me really positively. Yeah, just a good cinema trip. Uh, it's funny actually. I can really relate with you there when you say I don't remember the home video stuff. No. I don't remember. We must have got it being yeah, Bond yeah. crazy. We will have got it, but I don't remember getting it. And yeah, I've just seen it a number of times over the years. It's one of them where you know it's on. Oh, well, there's not enough is on. Ah, oh, we'll have it on. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. Like it's a Bond movie, so we'll watch it. When was the last time you watched it, Rob? Before th- this last time? Ooh. Yeah, in its entirety, I would probably say. Genuinely, possibly ten years. I think, yeah, actually. yeah. You know, always caught like little bits and bobs here and there. You know, like because as you say, like they're on ITV fairly regularly. So as you channel hopping, finally getting away from CBBS and Nick Junior, you suddenly you're like, <laughs> oh heck, it's James Bond. You know, and then you, you put <laughs> yes. it on. So yeah, which the kids will prefer. Yeah. Uh, well, if if going off, you know, what they saw of Octopussy recently is anything to go by, they need Aww. a pretty sharp introduction, I think. <laughs> Good taste. No, I, I remember, Rob, when the single came out. I think you got it on CD, single. The artwork, the silver with the, the, the flame woman with the sort of merging yeah. her back arch merged into the, uh, the, the Walther in his hand, didn't it? Absolutely. It did, yeah. I mean, um, as, a, as a bit of context for the listeners, me and Tom were in the same class at school during this. Yeah. So we'd go in on, you know, like um, we were forever swapping Bond books, Bond DVDs, memorabilia, anything like that. Um, I think there was one particular copy of The Essential Bond that we just oh, yeah. kept swapping, like, <laughs> constantly for <laughs> a long time. That, um, yeah. Oh, no, there was a, a, an amazing book about Goldeneye that came out, like a, a complete guide yes, to Goldeneye. Yes, that was amazing. You know, I think. We absolutely tore that to shreds for <laughs> the amount of times that we. Yeah, we used it, to so. act it out. There was yeah, certain bits of the script in there, and we used to act it there out. There were, the weren't there? Yeah, yeah. Stuart Young and yeah, you know, someone coming like past, that. like is someone <laughs> is someone in there doing a a line reading of gold? Yeah, <laughs> was, that, was that Jack <laughs> Wade? I could hear talking there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, it I, was do, I do seem to remember. You know, like picking the tubby. You know, the more uh, what's the word? Tubby is not a good word for that. Uh, the more. <laughs> Um, re- not rotund is not wow. one of our words either. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. But what, yes. um, one of the more statuesque members of the class to be Jack Wade. Yeah, <laughs> he was well cast actually. He could do a decent accent, <laughs> even at 13. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get him in. <laughs> he won't be listening, sir. John, yeah. we know you're a big fan, but I guess you saw it at the cinema too, did you? So it was the first Bond film I saw at the cinema. Oh well, um, there you go. I'm slightly younger than you guys, and um, I, I hold this film with a lot of nostalgia. I, I I don't remember any time ever going to the cinema, just me and my dad, apart from watching this film. Now, this isn't going to turn out to be any kind of sob story or anything like that. Me and my dad get on great, you know. But but it, it's something that vividly stuck in my head. Just for a bit of context as well, there was a big build-up with this film. I'd only got into Bond the year before, so I was incredibly excited about this. And my mum's cousin was a bit of a, let's say, a Z-list celebrity. She was doing a few, like, lads mags and all this kind of thing. And then it came through that she. It, we got told, Abby's in the world is not enough. 
Abby's in the world is not enough. So my mum's cousin was in the world is not enough. And I was absolutely buzzing about this. This was like massive to me. And and I was saying to him, mum, see if she can get Pierce Brosnan's uh, autograph and all this kind of thing. And I said, what part is she? What part is she? And uh, she said, she's a villain. She's a badden. That's all I knew. So because I was naive at the age, I thought she was going to be Electric King. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Unless John, anyway, Sophie Marceau is uh, your, your relative. Sophie Marceau, yeah. yeah. I was 11 at the time. It turns out that Abby is actually on for 10 seconds of the of the performance. When you go into the casino and there's the scene where James has his blue x-ray glasses and there are two girls he looks at who are leaning on a casino wheel. No. The, the black-haired girl is my mum's cousin, Abby. <laughs> really? <laughs> Incredible. 100%. That is- I'm worried now. I've made a note of uh, these people. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, going through my notes. She's not a model anymore. She's into property now. But um, she, very wise. She, yeah. <laughs> at the time, we couldn't believe it, and she just said she was a villain because basically, when Bond sees through a dress, she's got a knife and a gun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> by a thing and, and that constitutes as a villain <laughs> so yeah so she she had that part so i was buzzing with this but obviously like my mates at school just didn't believe me absolutely 100 percent didn't believe you like oh that hottie and that she's not your cousin and all this and i were like mate i can absolutely assure you she is so basically they won't believe me so what i decided to do was i said to my mum mum can you like get a picture of abby or something and get her to sign something and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So through the post, I mean, I can't believe it now. I look back now and I think to myself, what possessed me? What possessed her? But she basically sent us her model portfolio pictures of her in a bra and panties and no. signed it to my cousin John, Lots of Love Abby. <laughs> and, I just went, and I just went straight into school. I went, there you go, boys. Just yeah. in case you didn't think that that's my cousin. Hello, boys. This, this is too much for me. I can't. What so, a story! That is incredible. <laughs> Honestly, so so I joked about I have a lot of nostalgia to this film. First film I watched, and all the rest of it. I remember then got to Easter, and it had come out, and we had always had a choice of you can either get an egg, or you can substitute your eggs to get in a a present that's like worth a tenner instead. So for me, I was like, forget the eggs. I'm getting the world is not enough oh, on video. Yes. And that's what I got for that's what I got oh. for Easter. And and my younger brother David, who's a bit young, who's a couple of years younger, was just getting into Bond and he really got into this video as well. And me and him watched this video over and over again. So we've always been massive fans of it. And it's only later in life that we couldn't believe that like when you ever look on Bond lists or anything such as that, that it's always ranked near the bottom. Because mm-hmm. to us, this was just such an amazing film and now i'm a bit older been able to watch it a few more times i'm able to see the criticism some people has i'm able to have a proper reason view of it but still i think this is a flipping good film and i've got lots to love about this film and i cannot wait to discuss yes brilliant john fighting talk you won't need a fight john you won't need a fight i don't think it's as divisive (laughs) with us as skyfall was you if you've heard the skyfall episode it does get a little wild at times. No, it does, it does not really. No. Um, but yeah, there's there's an awful lot that could be said about Skyfall, and I think there's there's obvious comparisons which we've alluded to already. We will 
go through each and every one as we as we start, particularly the start because that's that's the first half an hour. Good grief, it's pretty much the entirety of Skyfall's plot, isn't it? Really? No, no, <laughs> no. That's not fair. Skyfall also takes off Goldeneye, so that's John. It's over to you again with the quiz. Okay, get it. Get it. So five questions. I think all of you have won one round. I think all of you won one round. I don't know who won when you played last time when Rob, you were the quiz master. It was, um, it was I, not me. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, um, uh, it was a poor imitation of a gold standard product, John, so, you know. It was very good. We've all had one. Chris Goldie got one from Skyfall because it's obviously his favourite film <laughs> and he seems to know every little detail about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> know your enemy but, inside out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it absolutely yeah but as usual we've got to have a buzzer and I think that this is the most obvious buzzer ever in the history of this uh, of the Really 007 podcast so does anybody want to tell me what, <laughs> oh, no. you want to do your impression of what your buzzer is going to be tonight oh no it's a nerd there it is Bond! <laughs> if you don't know, that is the noise of M uh, in her prison. <laughs> just as Bond, Bond doesn't even speak to her, he just walks past, runs past, doesn't acknowledge her, goes up the stairs. <laughs> so, I've got five questions. I'm going to have to be listing out carefully for who does the Bond first. Because um, it's only one word, I might not even be able yeah. to hear him saying it, but we'll have a go. Yeah. Three bombs like all at once. wall of noise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so question one. What is Renard's real name? Bond! <laughs> I think that was Matthew. Victor Zocast. Victor Zocast. The anarchist. Correct. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well done, Matt. Well done. Right. Number two, quite a tricky one, this. <laughs> According to Christmas Jones, how old is Dr. Arkov? Bond! Go on, Tom. It's definitely late 60s, I think. I, I reckon 68. <sighs> right. It's not, so oh. uh, I'll leave it open to Rob or Math. Bond! <laughs> Go on, Rob. That's a, that's a slight pitch higher. It's a semi <laughs> higher. <laughs> <laughs> a burger alarm. <laughs> is it just um, in his sixties? No, there is a specific number. Ah, say it, man. Math. Say the phrase. Bond. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's sixty-three. No. Ah. Uh, Doctor Arkarv is sixty-three years old. <laughs> uh, good impersonation. Ah. Yeah, very good. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay, number three. How many turns does it take to break someone's neck? We know there's, you know, whatever it is, there's always one last sprint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Born! <laughs> on. I'll, I'll guess. Go on, Mark. I'll guess five. Five is oh. correct. Oh, very good. Very good. So it's one, one, zero. Okay, with two questions left. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on two. No, Matt. I think Matthew's got a clean sweep. I got the Oh, sorry, it's 2 0. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Matthew. No, sorry, I, I apologise, mate. I apologise. It's fine. Not that I'm competitive. So, no, no, no not at <laughs> all. What is Christmas Jones's response when James says, Too bad we don't have any champagne? Born! <laughs> Go on, Matthew. Hmm, or sour cream. <laughs> I don't yes, remember that. Or, <laughs> or sour yeah, cream. <laughs> 
You know about the sour cream and caviar. No, it's just. Why sour cream? Yeah. I've got no like, why? Preferred green beans. I presume it goes with caviar or something, I don't know. I think because she says it with a bit of big smile. Yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, sour cream. Yeah. You know, like, she's absolutely buzzing off this sour cream. It's <laughs> the mere thought of it. <laughs> well, she is a nuclear scientist, yeah. Rob. You know, she's got to be quick well, up there, aren't you? It's shit. <laughs> oh, genius. Don't judge your Christmas um, guys, five. <laughs> <laughs> what is the first letter to the registration plate on Bond's Z8? Bond! <laughs> Go on, Rob. M. No. Oh. M. Uh, I don't, I don't. <laughs> Bond! Very hoarse, Junior. Is that dead? Bond! After hours of being in that Maiden's Tower, yes, you're struggling. But I, I think BMT is certainly the one in Skyfall and Gold Goldfinger, so I'll guess that. It's not, no. Just, do you have a go, Matt? I mean, I've, I've no idea, but I'll, I'll guess. And, and I'll do the, the, uh, the thing one last time. <laughs> Bond! <laughs> Take the best to last. Um, uh, K. No, it's V. Oh. Mm. It's a V reg. VJ. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that was a clean yeah. sweep. Math wins. Well done, Martin. His second victory of the well competition. Done. Well, well done. done. Cheers, John. Thank you. Thank you very much, John. We now delve into the background and production of the film The World Is Not Enough. So the inspiration for the story actually came from producer Barbara Broccoli. So in November 97, a month before the release of Tomorrow Never Dies, she'd watched a news report detailing how the world's major oil companies were vying for control of the untapped oil reserves in the Caspian Sea in the wake of the Soviet Union's collapse. And it was her suggestion that controlling the only pipeline from the Caspian to the West, would be an appropriate motivation for a potential Bond villain. Probably made me understand the plot more just from the yeah, reading out say, that so, paragraph. So that's what this is about? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes, though, if you're having a whale of a time with something, I don't really... Absolutely. I don't understand Octopussy. Doesn't not. affect my... Living daylights isn't no. easy to... Uh... No. Yeah. No, nope, not at all. I, I, if you asked me to explain the plot, I wouldn't even begin to be able to tell you. Wouldn't want to. <laughs> Bond is, is part of the contemporary culture, and it's uh, you know crept in the language. Our genre is action-adventure films, so we have to have a story that lends itself to the action elements and also to the adventure, which is Bond's quest. takes the audience on a tour of... Of, to exotic places and as part of his search and, and the mystery. Producer Michael G. Wilson on the required elements of a James Bond film. Young Barbara, she and Michael G. Wilson hired <coughs> screenwriters um, Neil Purvis <laughs> and Robert Wade oh dear, uh, to work on the film. 
following, of course, Rob, what, what was the only film they did? Well, they've done two films, haven't they? Uh, Plunkett and McLean. Yes. Was um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know the other one. No. I, I'm finding I, I'm going through a phase at the minute because we're talking about them. We're talking about them more at the moment, yeah. more than any any time I've ever talked about my whole life. So <laughs> I'm like, at the minute, I'm I'm viewing them as a bit like a, you know, like Siegfried and Roy, the Las Vegas. It's like they're a, a Las Vegas double act. You know, like Are you going to see Purvis and Wade tonight? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Purvis and Wade. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, just like taking down front row seats um, Purvis and Wade yeah to watch them you know and it's all it is is just them decimating a franchise <laughs> right 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 that's <laughs> right, that's, <laughs> <laughs> right, that's enough of that that's enough of that no I'm, I'm joking I'm joking I'm joking but they came in of course this is their first film they did they yes I think um, Wilson and Broccoli enjoyed their work on Plunkett and McLean also starring Robert Carlyle of course never seen it but they have written on every Bond film from this point, including the upcoming No Time to Die, and we go through uh, their track record in uh, that preview episode, lo- loosely a preview. <laughs> the harsh truths of the Bond franchise. It is, yeah, yeah. So Broccoli was especially impressed by the writer's suggestion of a female main villain. So you've got them to thank for that. And they stated that with Electra, Bond thinks he has found Tracy. But he's really found Blofeld. It's quite a babyish quote, hasn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just a play on the we try and make a Russia with yeah. love, but of we end up with a is. thunderball. It's just yeah. It's... We try and make an honor majesties and we made an honor majesties. Because both of those are in the <laughs> doesn't really work. Purvis described their approach when they joined the Bond franchise as to come in with ideas, things we found in science magazines, on the internet, on the internet, anything on the internet, interesting weapons and what's happening in technology. Then we find a journey for Bond to go through. In their Bond collaborations, Wade generally does all the verbiage at the beginning of the script. The films had re-established themselves in a really big way and taken a lot of money. And so to be asked to come up with the next chapter in this incredible success was both an honour but also quite daunting. You're intending to give everyone what they want still as far as gadgets and action and girls. We wanted to try and bring some motion to it as well. We wanted to sort of try and take it back to the uh, Connery days and the Fleming character. We read all the books and uh, watched the films that, that we thought would be important. I think we were interested in a contemporary story involving something that is in the world now that's of interest and the uh, sort of oil rush that's taking place in the Caspian Sea in Baku seemed to be a good point of a concentration of all kinds of interests. We all agreed that that was an interesting backdrop for, for the film but the challenge was finding a way of making it sexy and linking it to a character. We'd managed to place him in this rust belt, they call it, don't they? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so we had to get them him out of there. I mean, the Caucasus Mountains are nearby. They look really good. And then just through staring at a map for a couple of weeks, did we spot the strategic importance of Istanbul and um, the Bosphorus Straits to 
what goes on in the Caspian. So that was a great relief to know that Act 3 could take place somewhere nice and sunny. Mm. And it, not only sunny, but exotic and... Bondian. Well, I mean, we would spend days and days going through everything. You know, I would tell them what I felt and what I liked and what I didn't like and what had to be done and what they wanted to do, what the producers wanted to do. I come from a documentary background, so in terms of the script, I wanted things to be real. I wanted things to make sense, even though it, the film is really a fantasy with Bond. Talking about the plot there were, of course, Michael G. Wilson again, Neil Purvis and Robert Wade themselves, and interestingly, Michael Apted talking about his relationship with Purvis and Wade. We won't go mad on um, the terrible twosome or the brilliant twosome, however you see them, because we've discussed them at length. But I believe they also got in Bruce Feirstein, didn't they, on this one, who, to be fair, has got a pretty decent CV. We I think we touched upon him because he, in the From Rush With Love episode, he wrote the, the game and he's written lots of the games, as well as Goldeneye and Tomorrow Never Dies. So I'm not sure why he's been ditched, but these two have never been ditched, but anyway. When you said the game, did you mean the computer game for World Is Not Enough or the uh, Fincher? <laughs> Very good. No, I, that's not a... the game. Yes, as in the video game. Sorry, Rob. The video yes. game. No, no, that wasn't. It was a non-foreseen no, no. Uh, question. But the video game as well, from Rush with Love. So and, and Golden. Oh, Rose. crisp, cosy people. In terms of the getting a director, Joe Dante and later Peter Jackson. Oh. were initially offered the opportunity to direct the film. Did not know that. Oh, wow. Uh, Barbara Broccoli had enjoyed Jackson's Heavenly Creatures. Got an underrated film, actually. And a screening of The Frighteners was arranged for her on this basis. She disliked The Frighteners <laughs> and showed no further interest in Jackson. So, unlucky, mate. One strike and you're out. I quite liked it, though. <laughs> One strike and you're out. <laughs> Jackson's uh, reaction was, and he's a lifelong Bond fan, by the way, he remarked that as Eon tended, tended to go for less famous directors, that that was it. He's likely never going to get any chance because then, of course, he did Lord of the Rings. So I think he was a bit gutted that that was the only time he might have been asked. So, we, oh, well, that'd be absolutely fascinating, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Yeah, wouldn't like absolutely. to speculate. What they decided was... Given that the the film had the plot of a strong female villain, and other women, it's of course strong female women. Yes, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that later. Hoping to find a director capable of eliciting strong performances from women, the producers eventually hired Michael Apted because of his track record. His work with Sissy Spacek in Coal Miner's Daughter, Sigourney Weaver in Gorillas in the Mist. And Jodie Foster in Nell, and little talks about films these days, anyway, they all earned Oscar nominations for all three actresses, and Sissy Spacek won. But that film has never been shown, as far as I'm aware, on any TV or platform in history, I don't know. They thought he, he could work well with women, so he'd be an interesting take, bringing a, a fresh take on the franchise. His then-wife, Dana Stevens, did an uncredited rewrite, and she actually did the screenplay for City of Angels, the Nick Cage classic, Ooh. interestingly. And, Rob, one of the best Nick Spark, uh, Sparks adaptations, much better than the, the Notebook, Safe Haven. 
you know, I, yeah. I was about to leave the podcast, but when you when you said a film I'd never heard of before, then I thought, like, no, I I'll, I'll give it yeah. the time of day. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. So she did an uncredited rewrite, primarily apparently to strengthen the female characters' roles. So a bit like Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Daniel Craig asked her to do that, and then Bruce Fairstein, as we've mentioned, he worked on Bond's role in the picture. Do you want to have a guess how many drafts the scripts went through before hitting the screen? Go on, Rob. Bond! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, 17. That is a very good guess. It was 20. Well, that might that might not be many. That is that probably normal? I don't know. It can take a lot. I don't know. It's funny. I could only speak from the book world, but... Um, like usually what happens is you get better the more you do it. So my first book um had forty six rewrites. Forty yeah. <laughs> Um but then now we're down to sort of single figures now. So you get better as you get doing something. This is a bond film. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's not like some uh, yeah. you know, debut novelist. <laughs> it's like this is, you know, it shouldn't surely Although, take twenty. If there were if there were four get... slash three groups of people working on it, then that might Mean. Well, of course, yeah. And there might be more for the technical bits, mightn't it? Say they found a location, or they f- they've changed this and they changed that to suit the plot, or the characters, or the actors. And action! And that was, I think, the tricky part of the job is to deliver what people want, make sure they get terrific action, make sure they get great gadgets, make sure they get humour, make sure they get beautiful looking women. But add something more. These films, Bond films, are sort of made the wrong way round. I mean, when I first came on the film, I had a release date. I didn't have a script anybody liked, didn't have any cast that anybody was excited about other than Pierce and Judy. Good evening, ma'am. Prime Minister's waiting for an update. Didn't have any locations, didn't have any crew. Just a release date. Well, I mean, there's, that's clearly a lot of pressure. But also, it's, in a sense, quite a good thing, because it does quicken the mind. Well, I think what they were looking for, both the producers, Pearson, to a lesser extent, the studio, who basically what they want is just a Bond film, was something which was a bit more dramatic than the others had been, that they wanted to beef up the stuff between the action sequences. So Michael Apted, I confess I've not seen very many of his films. He, the only, I think the only other films I've seen of his are Thunderheart with uh, Val Kilmer, Another completely forgotten film, where he is a, I think he's a policeman in, like an American Indian reserve. So quite, yeah, quite an interesting premise. Sounds amazing. Yeah, it was. It's not quite as good as it sounds, unfortunately. It was all right. It was all right. Um, it, was, it was decent. It was decent. And the the only other film I've seen of his is Amazing Grace, the the, the story of, um, well, the William Wilberforce and the abolition of slavery in the UK. Which was wow. very, very cosy, gorgeous, crisp film, I thought. And uh, I think David Arnold might have been on that. Uh, I don't know, to be honest with you. Yeah, I've not seen that film. <laughs> this, therefore, we've gone through those films. This is a massive departure for Rapted. Yeah, I, I remember, uh, Rob, you might remember <laughs> our friends Dave Roy Carr and. <laughs> can't believe they're getting there. Dave Roy Carr and the Manimal, Danny McMonahal. When they're at university, popped on the world is not enough. Okay, and this uh, this is not. I'm not saying this is my opinion. This is what they said. They said, you know, James Bonfield directed by a British character director. Me and David Board. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that is my opinion. I'm not so, but uh, I think the opinions of you know because they're they I don't think Daniel Dave were like known as 
particular Bond fan, no. were they? You know, like, were they massive, like, rabid Bond fans? So, Don't think so. that's interesting to know from the eyes of the sort of the casual film fan more, yeah. you know. But that's how I, it I, I just Just flashed before my eyes because, of course... Yeah, he is. He is. He's a dramatic British character director, and he ne- he confessed he'd never done big stunts or anything like that. He started in British TV, started on Corrie, directing episodes of Corrie. So it's, it's quite nice oh, to I see someone progress the whole way. Yeah, northern, and he did the, He did that. Yeah, exactly. We are all northerners, if you didn't know by the accents. That's, uh, <laughs> he then moved on to the the legendary Up series. I don't know. I've never seen it, but it's a oh gorgeous rock. It was the chronicling people from, I don't know whether it started when they were every seven years, wasn't it? And it's basically followed their lives, this group of people, from age seven, and they're now in the 60s, and it's done every seven years. It's absolutely amazing. I should have seen it. It's been a pretty groundbreaking series that's gone on every seven years. More recently on TV, he directed a few episodes of the TV series Rome. I don't know whether anyone's seen that. That's quite solid, I thought. And here you go. Did you know this? He directed the official 2006 Germany World Cup film, the, the official no. video for the for the World Cup. Yeah, wow. And who do you think narrated it? <laughs> it's pretty babyish. Ro- Pierce Brosnan. Roger Moore. Roger Moore. Ne- nearly. <laughs> Even more, but yes, Pierce Brosnan. Yes. <laughs> well, I haven't seen that either. As is often the case, we discussed with Sam Mendes and pretty much the entire cast of Skyfall. He studied law and history at Cambridge. So there, there's another one. Uh, <laughs> I, li- I like how you said studied. Studied, yeah. yeah. Oh, I read law. Yeah. Film. No, yeah. red law. Red law, sorry, red. you're absolutely right. Yeah, red yeah. Law. I was <laughs> implying that he didn't graduate either. Yeah, he did graduate. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I, I read comics at university. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> so I say. <laughs> and watched Bond films. Yeah. Pretty much most days, yeah. Michael Apted, I don't know the, how much you know about this guy compared to uh, certainly Sam Mendes. He might be a bit more of a, not someone teenage lads would have known at the time, certainly. My my only experience of him, I've seen two of his other films. I've seen The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Oh, yes. Uh, the Narnia film. And the other one I've seen um, is a complete curveball. It's a film called Unknown, and it came out in 2017. And the the sole reason I watched it was because it features Orlando Bloom and he was promoting it on Graham Norton. And uh, I watched this on one Friday night. I have never seen, genuinely, when they promoted it on it, a worse performance on a promotion video in my life. And I was like, I have to see this of how bad Orlando <laughs> Bloom is on this. He played a Cockney gangster and he put oh. tattoos down his neck. He's like, he had a gun in his hand. And I think, like, I think I just remember this clip with him pointing a gun and it was the kill shot pose. And it was like, up the apples and pears, mate. Jeez, and I was like, mate. at that point, I have to see this. <laughs> I have to see it because of that. And it came on Netflix a couple of years later. And actually, it was far better than I gave it credit for. It, it was quite unmemorable, but it wasn't one of these horrendous films. Orlando no. Bloom was in for no more than five minutes and a small <laughs> part. And and actually, the main part was all about... Yeah. Is it? I don't, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Is it Numi Rapaz? Is that how oh, yeah, you pronounce yeah. it? Or, yeah, yeah. And, and she was brilliant in it. Um, and yet again, a lot of character development came through in it. Very subtle not particularly over the top in how it's done, but he has a style. He has a style in how he does it, and 
I don't think it's something that grabs your attention, but I think when you watch it and you're wanting to concentrate, there's a lot to appreciate in his direction. Definitely. Numi Rapace was married to the actor who played Patrice. God, I forgot to mention that in the Skyfall wow. review. Yeah. No way. That's where she kept his surname. That's his surname originally. So there you go. You're always learning, Al. We are, yeah. We're forgetting, though, in our age as well. That's a, that's a more rapid rate, perhaps. Robert, you... Sorry, Tom, I apologise. It wasn't called Unknown, it was called Unlocked. Unlocked, <laughs> I apologise, right. I've just seen Well, Unknown. Super. Unknown was the Liam Neeson. It was, that's right, yeah. Diane Kruger yeah. mystery. That was pretty decent, actually. So, yeah, uh, Rob, have you... Uh, do, do, do you know much about Michael Apted? I... Uh, no, truthfully, no? not at all. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. Um, as... Um, FYR host James Stewart would say, I'm going to put it. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. don't know. I don't know anything really. Hard pass. I, I, um, all I know though that um, I don't have a single problem with the direction of this film at all. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, none at all. In fact, I don't really have many problems with this. Oh. But um, we will save those for that was later. No, I truthfully don't. Lit up John's face. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was going to say there was a fist bump yeah. on the uh, license to Kel screen, <laughs> which listeners is his screen name it tonight. Is. I've got to point that out. Superb. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, there's no. This is well directed. There's nothing wrong with it. And those movies that you you talk about, like I should really have watched them, but um, there's only so many hours in the day, you are. particularly <laughs> so, with young children yeah. running around as well. Well, yes, <laughs> definitely. Math. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Have you have you seen any of me and uh, me and Mickey films? haven't uh, really crossed paths an awful lot. I think Gorillas in the Mist is the only one. I've seen. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was a good film, and obviously Sigourney Weaver is really good in that um, as Diane Fossey. Isn't that what uh, thing he says? Yeah, <laughs> Jurassic Park. She thinks she's. <laughs> yeah. She thinks she's Diane Fossey. <laughs> yeah. um, How have I never seen that? Film? Brilliant. Oh, is it? Yeah, right, okay, yeah. No, it's right. actually in The Lost World. No, no, no. Sorry, no. I, knew, I knew it was uh, John Hammond. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, you uh, you were way at streets ahead so of So, yeah, that. that's the only other of his films I've seen. Um, you know, I did I did sort of wonder, how, it was strange that he did get this, this gig, but what you've said about he was experienced uh, in directing female leads. Um, makes sense. And on that front, he certainly did a great job on this film. I would po- possibly say maybe some of the action set pieces, will come on to it, might be a bit weaker and maybe maybe that's partly down to him. But I I, uh, I don't have enough what to, to say about Michael Apted. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've no, no issues with him. Ultimately, you have to make a film that's going to be profitable or else you won't stay in business. So you have to, first of all, gauge about what you think your success level is going to be, which is quite easy for a Bond film compared to most films. You know, I think a film is what it is and is worth what it's worth. And I knew on a film like this you had to spend a certain amount of money. And that money was going to be spent. So it never kind of weighed on me that, that oh my God, I'm making, I'm spending $100 million because that's what the film is going to cost. Well, initially the film was going to be released in the year 2000. So we had rumoured titles of Bond 2000. I mean, as if it was going to be called that. I think obviously these are holding titles. Can you remember one of, two of the other ones I vividly um, remember? I remember can you, can you guys Rob remember Parker um, telling us that the next Bond film would be called Pressure Point. 
<laughs> yes, that is one of them. That is one of them. <laughs> Do you have any oh, memory? Wow. So Do you remember it? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I do remember the the talk, you know, like because I think again, uh, every now and then on on a you know uh, <laughs> podcast that I appear on, I have to talk about where I've got information from, and if it's from the past, usually it was from my mum getting the Daily Mail, <laughs> and it would be like you know the new James Bond pressure points, and I must have run into school, yeah, and said like oh Bond news, where are the Bond boys, and you know immediately yeah. said yeah, it's pressure points. Great days though, great days. <laughs> Yeah, not the best title. <laughs> oh, yeah. Come back, Quantum of Solace, yeah, like... Always Forgiven as a title. <laughs> speaking, speaking of that, that's the one where um, Strawberry Fields is covered in oil, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the, um, the mail two weeks before it came out um, did a, you know, on the second page or the third page, put um, had that scene in, you know, full... You know, just like a, a, a production still of that whole thing, giving away the death of the characters two, two weeks before they came out. The film came out. Yeah, it was terrible. Can you remember there was another one? I, I, I remember, which uh, it, it sounds like the Game of Thrones, the original book. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Fire and ice. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, and there was a couple others which I didn't, I didn't hear, and these are terrible as well. Death waits for no man, <laughs> as if he was going to kill. And dangerously yours, but they're, they're holding tight. <laughs> they're holding you know. I mean, da- dangerously yours sounds like a Bills and Moon, not yeah, Mil- yeah. Bills and Moon. I mean, Bills and Boon, an autobiography. Not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. for that kind of song, for that kind of film, you'd need Kelly Rowland doing the actual the uh, soundtrack, Ooh. wouldn't you? you know, I'm dangerously yeah. yours. You know, oh, that man. full on vibe about it. Doesn't so it you know? good, <laughs> get the R and B vibes going. Oh, on, you know? oh. Turn of the Millennium R and B, bring it back. Get yeah. Nelly on the backing vocals. Mm. <laughs> Nelly and dangerously Kelly. Dangerously yours, yeah. Dangerously yours, yeah. <laughs> Just keep doing that, Nelly. Just yeah. <laughs> keep going, just keep going. Keep going, keep going. Uh, <laughs> Bond! <Boom>! Boo! <laughs> <laughs> All the quizzes in one. <laughs> Neighbours banging on the door. What's going on? <laughs> Filming locations included Spain, France, Azerbaijan. Turkey and the UK, with interiors at the Albert's Cubby Broccoli Sound Studio at Pinewood. Principal photography began on the 17th of January 1999 and lasted all the way through June. The budget 
was $135 million. And this was actually the first film released under the MGM imprints, not United Artists, so you didn't get that lovely... If you remember that, yeah. yeah. that was nice. Do like that. Do like <laughs> that. That was unrehearsed as well. The... Um, <laughs> The Z8, the BMW Z8, driven by Bond in the film, was the final of a three-film product placement deal with BMW. So we had the Z3 in GoldenEye, Z50IL in Tomorrow Never Dies, very catchy name, uh, gorgeous cars. <laughs> du- but due to filming preceding release of the Z8 by a few months, several uh, working mo- mock-ups and models had to be manufactured for the filming of of uh, the world designer because of course yeah I remember like the Z3 is a car our dad amazingly had one but it it was like three or four years after it took ages for it to actually come out to the public didn't it if I remember oh yeah I mean um, I was so taken with your dad's car um, that even now you know when, I, in a, when I'm writing something I want the characters to have a good car I say it's a Z3 yeah, it, it, yeah do they even still make them I have no idea it, it just gets put the delight on our faces he didn't need it I don't think he used it that often did he <laughs> <laughs> so impractical with four, so four lads you know I mean what I don't know what I've <laughs> <laughs> yeah. obviously heard of the, the, the triple picture deal you know between he had the yeah and yeah so. It's uh, it was like a silver, wasn't it? It wasn't quite as that gorgeous, slight blue twin tinge to it, wasn't it? And Goldeneye, it was more silver. Four, four. Yeah. So in terms of the crew, the rest of the crew, cinematographer was Adrian Biddle, who has sadly died now. Uh, he he was a talented swimmer in his youth, and he helped with some of the underwater photography in, on a Manchester's. And I was trying to think. Like it was a beach scene, but I can't really remember an awful lot. Anyway. That's that's how he got into the the game, and he hadn't done any bonds since then. He worked with Ridley Scott, uh, worked his way up, uh, and but his first cinematography gig was Aliens, with with James Cameron. So pretty impressive. Yeah, Very for impressive. for Ridley Scott, he did Thelma and Louise and fourteen ninety two, one of the most underrated uh, films of Ridley Scott's canon. He got an Oscar nomination for Thelma and Louise. Other films he's done, Willow, <laughs> Judge Dredd, the good one, not the new one. That's just to annoy <laughs> that's just to annoy fury consideration, but I'm I'm just I'm goading. I'm goading. Um yeah, I, I didn't bring that yeah, up. No, no, Sorry, Simon. <laughs> uh, another FYR possibility, Event Horizon. He did oh. he shot that. Uh, the first two mummy films. First two mummies. <laughs> And um, <laughs> another another slightly overrated film was his last uh, V for Vendetta. Uh, I'm just I'm just going here. Yeah, I'm yeah, really. very good. But, uh, <laughs> but it's quite a good CV. Quite a varied, interesting yeah, CV. Very good. Yeah. Do you do you think it's shot quite well, Rob? Do you think the film? Yeah. No. Again, no, no quibble with it at all. There's there's possibly it's it's very very functional. And does the job that you'd want. You want the big vistas. You want to be able to see everything. Um, and yes, you can see everything. Um, I think a lot of this um, also comes down to location choice, set design. Um, everything looks like it should do for a Bond film. There's something about it that, that falls short of being iconic. There's nothing that you really remember as being like a massive standout. Like, for me, the name... What did you call it? The Maiden's, the Tower? Maiden's Tower, yeah. Maiden's Tower, yeah. 
I don't remember what it looks like, but I remember it being called that. So, you know, like, it's yeah. one of those things that perhaps more could have been done there. But again, I think, you know, it looks crisp. It doesn't look, how old? 21 years old yeah. now? It's really It doesn't age look 21 well, years it? old at all. Yeah, it doesn't look that Very at all. Well. So, yeah, no, the, uh, visually, not a quibble from this guy at all. We might talk about how, how it looks as we go through the scenes, some scenes in particular. Skiing, my word, gorgeous. The editor was a guy called Jim Clark, who'd worked with Roland Joffe on The Killing Fields and The Mission, and he won an Oscar for his work on The Killing Fields. He'd also worked on Vera Drake, so again, quite a different film. And uh, Marathon Man, I saw quite recently. Oh, absolutely yeah. obsessed with that film. It's hilarious. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure it was meant to be, yeah. but it's, it's very good. If you're enjoying Really 007, why not follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram? Look us up at Really 007 Pod. Well, it's taken near enough an hour, but we are ready to discuss the actual film, The World Is Not Enough. So we did quite good going, actually. By our generous standards. <laughs> Ahead of schedule. We have a gun barrel <laughs> sequence to actually discuss. Because, yes! Well, we had one for Octopussy. From Rush We Love, it doesn't quite have one yet. Uh, well, it did, sorry, it was the same one as Doctor No, wasn't it? But Skyfall didn't have one until the end, and we discussed that, and we pondered about why that was and disagreed with it. Uh, we now have a proper... I mean, and this sets the tone for the film. A proper gun barrel sequence. Brosnan strutting, doing his stuff. We've got a bit of synth, a bit of brass. And the Bond theme continues into the, the, the very first shot, which is one of the best opening shots of any Bond film. I hope you agree. Yeah. <laughs> I know, he yeah, looks he flipping good in the suit, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. He just looks He's good. A gorgeous he, he looks man. the part, doesn't he? Brosnan. He's yes. You're sold. If you haven't seen any of his films before, that's it. I mean, it's quite an interesting thing because, like, we haven't really talked much about Pierce in our conversation. No, no. <laughs> I mean, this guy is the dog's rocks, isn't he, really? I mean, like, he is. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. Seriously. Like, he is. I mean,. I'm I'm a happily married man with two kids. Don't get me wrong, but I mean he is the best looking Bond. He is <laughs> yeah. a seriously good looking man. Growing up with Pierce as my Bond made me want to be Bond even more. Yeah, because this man was just he had it all, didn't he? I mean, and talking about the the strut coming on with the gun barrel, but let's just talk about the gun barrel. Best gun barrel bar none out of the whole series. Mm. I mean, those graphics that are going on with this, the gorgeous shine yeah, yeah. throughout it. it. I mean, brilliant. I don't want to go into a Craig slating thing, but this absolutely annihilates anything that has come in the um, since. You know, this is beautiful. And it looks so modern. And I think, I, I think it was Rob who, who mentioned that this film's 21 years old and it just holds up. It doesn't look 21 years old. It does not date this film whatsoever. Um, and, and this gun barrel is the perfect start to that. Just beautiful. I can't believe we've not really discussed. I mean, it's a big topic to approach, but we'll discuss it as we go along. But Pierce Brosnan as Bond. We barely, <laughs> we barely discussed it. 
But at the time, like you say, growing up as him as your Bond, he was everything you, you would have wanted. If you could have made a computer to design on paper what Bond would look like, his jokes, action, charm. He's like the ultimate top trump, isn't he? He, he, he wins in every single he did have all the main the main ingredients, didn't he? I, I ju- uh, yeah, of, of all the you know bonds that you could quibble with, the, I think Brosnan is the least offensive than mm. all because he's got elements of all the ones that have gone before him. Um, like, I, I don't want to jump forward in the discussion, but in this opening sequence, this film, he shows elements of every single bond that's gone before him. You know, he's got that. Ice cold element of and, and brutality of Dalton. <laughs> He's got the the smooth, more. <laughs> oh yes, I'm going to have a little look he at has. this. You know, it's got, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's got the feline grace of Connery, um, and he's showing the sort of the the statuesque qualities of of Lazenby. So you know, he's got the lot. You've left out one of them. Got You've left out one of the Bond actors. <laughs> <laughs> That's because he hasn't come yet. That's <laughs> Oh, exactly. heck, you know, sorry. <laughs> Don't worry, you know. Like, who did I miss? You know? uh, I was thinking you were going along lines, lines of death. That's what you think of first. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, yeah, like, uh, yeah. Says yeah. A lot, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ones that have gone before, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, no, no. I, I, yeah. No quibbles. And and for our generation, yeah, he's the bond that we saw in the cinema. If, if, we, if they'd cast a dud or someone who we didn't buy into... You've you've won you've won the, the audience, and I think we've it's it's common among Bond fans and particular sort of diehard fans that oh Connery maybe wasn't as he didn't he seemed a bit bored at the end and Brosnan is absolutely all in every film isn't he he's completely yeah, he committed yeah. maybe too committed at some point <laughs> he seems to enjoy himself a lot but he's absolutely all over the role there is never a, a, a single scene where you think oh come on Piers you could have done that a bit better. Because he's just, um, you've won. Yeah, you've won. Um, I mean. you know, I, 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 I totally agree with everything that's been said. Um, he was like that that bond who, who we we grew up with, and that you know my friends at school, even if they weren't as bothered about Bond as I am, they still like. I think they still liked Pierce Brosnan as James Bond, and I do think an awful lot of it is, yeah, he's got he's got elements of of those that have gone, you know. Before him, in, as as Bond in the series, um, he's incredibly handsome. He's got presence. It you know the the physical stuff, the the action he can do. Um, he can do some of the humour. He's a brilliant all rounder. And I think, like you say, Tom, he he really he really seems to enjoy the role and want to make the most of it all the time. All you know. And I think a lot of it will is down to the fact that he missed a very you know unfortunately for living daylights and in some ways i know you know it sounds harsh but i'm quite glad that happened because it meant we got we got dalton and then we got this brosnan who you know he's in absolute prime he may have been a bit too young and he might you know he might not have felt as absolutely dedicated to the role as he ended up being and it's just so good seeing him yeah just that opening the gun barrels outstanding everything about it it's it really is one of the best and then it, you know, it cuts to him walking on the street with the Bond theme, and uh, it's just, it's, it's everything you want. Really, really is. Um, and you can tell that he, he cares so much about being Bond. 
You know, he, he loves being Bond. Those stories about, um, I remember that um, reading in that Essential Bond Goldeneye book about um, how he missed out on the role because of Remington Steel and how much it gutted him as a man. And, um, you know, stories of him pulling over on the highway when he got the news that he didn't have the role oh, and had to get out of the car and stuff. And then when he eventually found out that he did have the role because Bond was something he wanted to do so much. Um and then you can see that in all four of his films, how much he invests in being James Bond. And he is someone who never took the character for, for granted and someone who um, gave it his 100% every time. Um, <laughs> yeah, just big respect to the guy. Yeah, absolutely love him. think he's phenomenal, gives everything for it. But actually, he's one of the reasons why I am 100% on board with pushing for Henry Cavill as the next Bond. Mm. Because... Pierce wanted it. He was obvious in the way he looked and he wanted it and he gave everything. Uh, to me, Henry Cavill wants it and he, he's obvious in the way he looks. And if we have those in if we have those, we're on a winning formula from experience with Pierce. So for me, just go to Henry Cavill. Don't go on a big search. Don't have to be a big seventeen year run, anything like that. What we want is someone who's passionate, and Pierce did that. Yeah. He's a good age, Henry Cavill, as well, isn't he? I don't, I'm not sure how old is he. Mid thirties, mid late thirties, but he could have a, at least ten years. He doesn't look old at all, does he? So he could have. I mean, Craig's going to have had over fifteen years. Hopefully, if, if <laughs> someone like Henry Cavill was there that long, he would have done more than five films. But well, could you imagine though? I mean, like Brosnan was Bond between '95 and '02. Seven years, four movies. Yeah. Such a good run. It's brilliant, isn't it? Such a good, and that's like you know, <laughs> even though you know <laughs> the movies probably dwindled in quality towards the end. Die another day, we'll meet you a little bit. The but, very end. <laughs> yeah, but we're like you know you can't fault the fact that they had a definite plan. They were churning the movies out, you know, once every two years, and keeping fans happy. Um, without the bond. Well, sorry, without the Brosnan era, you don't have anything to build off. You know, going forward into what the current Bond success is. Because obviously, at the minute, every time a Bond comes out, it's a giant international global smash, regardless of what they pump out. And so much of that is Brosnan being a very steady, invested pair of hands and, going across. And another thing I just want to say about Brosnan Absolutely. in, uh, you know, heap yet more praise on him, is that I absolutely love Licence to Kill, one of my favourites. But after that, there was there was obviously the the six year gap, and perhaps audiences were a bit turned off by Licence to Kill and the tone and um, sort of veering a little bit away from the normal Bond formula. So there was a, a lot of weight on on you know the filmmakers' shoulders, but on Bosnan's shoulders as Bond to to sort of make that immediate impact to hit the ground running with Goldeneye. And my word, did he do that! You know, so many people. I mean, the film in general is brilliant. So many people love that, and my friends, you know, that's their favourite. That's the first one they say. But Brosnan's got to take a lot of the credit for that. So, you know, I know we haven't discussed him much, but he he he's he's a he's a brilliant James Bond as far as I'm concerned, and he's underrated. He's massively underrated. Your John, your formula for the whole, you know, Dalton has a hundred percent record in terms of the films he's in. You could say Brosnan has a hundred percent record for his performances in the films he was in. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Die Another Day, I, I'm I'm really not a fan of. No surprise, but I, <laughs> I 
but Pierce Brosnan is not one of the reasons why I'm not a fan of it. He still gives hundred percent. He has a horrendous script to play with. He's having to say he's having to say appalling dialogue, and yet he still throws in hundred percent, full well knowing that he's um, you know he's churning out some turd, and he you know and and to be honest. Yeah, he is, yeah. And to be honest, for him to be the only Bond actor who's been let go is absolutely disgraceful because this is a guy who gave the series everything. I I, I really feel for Pierce because he would have come back quite happily. He was desperate to come back. He gave it everything. I know we needed a change. I'm not saying that, but Pierce Brosnan was not the problem. Definitely not. We saw, I saw recently the BAFTA tribute, which was released, the 40-year tribute, just before Die Another Day came out. And he was interviewed, of course. Are we going to see you again, Pierce? He's like, yeah, I've got another one, and it's just a question of whether I do even more after that. And I just felt so sorry for him. I know things had to change in many respects, but there were, Pierce has always said he, a bit like after Moonraker, he, it was his idea, we need to go a bit more low-key for the next one. I'm sure he probably didn't envisage Casino Royale, and he couldn't have done that with Piers, of course, but it, it wasn't his fault. <laughs> the, all the mess that was certain aspects of Dying of the Day, and he, I hope it hasn't tainted his legacy. I really hope it hasn't. I don't think it has. If I can say, I don't think it has tainted his legacy. Not to Bond fans, because I think Bond fans know that there was um, all sorts of mess <laughs> at play in Dying of the Day. And again, it's not Brosnan's fault. Brosnan, everything Brosnan has done, even though, you know, and I noticed in this film especially that some of the lines that he has to deliver get extremely clunky. You know, they're clunky for him to deliver. They're cheesy for him to yeah. give. Let's just look at the opening sequence. You know, I'm sure those figures are, <laughs> puns, are perfectly puns. rounded. You know, <laughs> yeah. oh dear. But he gives 100% to it. Whatever problems his era has, as it got... You know, to its uh, final final films, and now to do with Brosnan, nothing. <laughs> Good, I'm I'm feeling even better now because it's been, it's been the elephant in the room. You know, no, we've recorded I mean, hours I, of the well, podcast without mentioning no, this. Talking about a film tonight where there's an actual guy, there's a James Bond in this film tonight. There is a James is. Bond in this movie, and that's exciting for me. I mean, I think one of the reasons why he probably hasn't been discussed is because he just fits in so well. Um, the ones that discuss are the ones that polarise opinions. So when you've got something to talk about, you want to do it. Now, we've talked about Roger and Sean, but we love them. But we've also talked about them because it's been their films that we've been looking at. Yeah, Daniel Craig yeah, yeah. has continually been brought he's, up he's because been he has completely polarised opinion. Pierce is so solid across the board, he doesn't come into those conversations. He's done nothing to offend anyone. As far as I, I don't know anyone. Th- that's it. Pierce, yeah, it is. I know when everyone names the favourite Bonds, the sort of traditional people usually go back to Roger or Sean, so he does get a bit forgotten with that. But for that generation, our generation growing up, everybody just bought him as Bond, and it makes such a difference. Hi, this is Anthony Stark. I played Truman Lodge in License to Kill, and you're listening to Really 007.
So yes, going back to the the pre-title sequence, which we know is the longest in the whole franchise, 14 minutes. The reason, of course, for that was the it was going to end after the Bill Bow scene. That was where it was going to end originally. But I think I don't know whether it was Michael Apted or whoever thought it's a bit it's a bit lackluster just to have that fairly quick scene, and then you've got the massive uh, boat chase scene. So it's essentially. It's almost like three scenes, isn't it? This it's a huge, full sprawling forty minutes. We we dive into it in Bilbao. Yeah, there was um, a um, as a Stockport County season ticket holder behind us in the Cheedland <laughs> was um, a gentleman who um, would always be very vociferous about what he wanted from the goal kicks, <laughs> and he he hates a short ball from a goal kick. He absolutely hates it. Right. So he'd always Old ask school. for a long, long one. And um, it, it's become shorthand for the length of uh, Twine's opening sequence. Such a niche reference. Brilliant. Stockport County and James Bond. That is a cool one. That's good. Clicking together. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Synergy. It is. Synergy. It's yeah. a long, long one. For sure. Sorry, yeah. I, I just want to say like about the lengthy thing is... is um, I've, I've, I was watching the deleted scenes today and there was a thing with Michael Apted and he was talking about the Bilbao scene because there's a deleted scene after Bilbao finishes, after Bond walks off, is that there's a deleted scene where it goes to the room where the sniper's shot oh. and it introduces Renard because oh. it's Renard who does the shot oh, wow. and he talks to Cigar Girl and the idea was that they were going to do the Bilbao scene and then finish it with Renard talking to Bill Cigar Girl saying, we're going to do whatever. And then it was going to go into the title sequence. And and I just want to say that whilst it's not a bad scene by any stretch, I am so glad that they cut it because it takes the focus away that Renard isn't particularly the main baddie and, 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 and otherwise having an introduction of that there. But also, Renard's introduction later on is superb. And whilst we might talk about the length and the editing and all the rest of it there, I do think, ultimately, it was a good decision to do it when I saw the deleted scene that was removed from it. Because there's like a sort of slightly, ever so slightly awkward fade, isn't there, in between them? Which, it's fine, but it's clearly wouldn't have been definitely intended. And I think the music tries to fit it in and piece it together. But I'm I'm happy. But going back to the, oh, yeah. the Bill Bow intro, we've got a lovely little Spanish guitar from David Arnold, who I, th- I, th- I think he'll get some praise tonight, I think. We've got uh, the Guggenheim Museum, which was pretty much what put it back on the map, Bill Bow and EasyJet flights and, and that. After that. <laughs> um, the, uh, not been there yet. <laughs> yeah, basically now it's just an obsession with Swiss bankers. Yeah. And wordplay on numbers and figures, isn't it? That's basically what this next few minutes. But it, is. It's it's so Bond. It's a great. I I really like this opening scene for a Bond film because you're into espionage straight away. You're into him being um, cool as a super secret agent. I mean, like you buy him as a secret agent. This is that key thing that we need to happen in these films: is that yeah, he's a secret agent. No sweat. Yeah. Awesome. You know, he's he's James Stock from the London Financial Times here. <laughs> And uh, you don't doubt him, and he's got—he's ticking every box. There's the um, slight gadgets, 
there's him being hard as nails, there's him being brilliant with the quips, there's everything you would want from a James Bond intro scene going on here. They could have stopped it there for me and it would have been fine. I've got no problem with this sequence. It's a great sequence. No quibbles whatsoever. It's long. It's a long, long one. But it's, <laughs> it's absolutely fine. I've got no quibble. I love how he's the centrepiece. He's in the room. The audience are drawn to him. And it's like, I don't fancy your chances. And there's all numbers pun, you know, and, and all that. But it, that's what you want. You want to think, right, I'm, I love Bond. Growing up. Bond's in this difficult situation. How is he going to get out of it? This is going to be a really tough one for him. And the way he does it is just ingenious, as Kananga would say. <laughs> it's, just, it's just gorgeous. So we get uh, Lachez, played by Patrick Malahide. And, uh, yeah, he trades a few quips, of course. We then, we, we then get on to the cigar girl. <laughs> Can anyone rem- does anyone want to take a guess at uh, the actress's name, full name? Yeah, I did look it up. Uh, All right. I did, not, not, not tonight, but when I watched it. I think we've all looked it up, haven't we? <laughs> Incognito mode. Uh, well, I know. Maria Grazia Guccinotti, is that right? Cucinotta. Cucinotti? Cucinotta. That's very good. Cucinotta. Great. Yeah. Jeffy Cucci. Yeah. More campy <laughs> legends. Uh, yeah, I remember um, there being quite a furore about her. You know, like, you know, people would say, you know, oh, yeah, Cigar Girl. Four. You know, that kind of <laughs> Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I, to be honest, I quite like the fact that it was not... I mean, it's fun. It's yeah. It's a female hench woman, you know, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, who is trying to off double oh seven in a really, really fun setting and fun way. Mm. It's great. I I remember when this film came out. She was one of the leads for the whole promotion material. So yeah, she, cool. I remember, like on the national television awards, she presented awards and they did interviews with her about the film and stuff, um, <laughs> and. All I'll say is, good job on the merchandise and in the PR. Yeah. I'm quite sure a lot of people would have gone and watched yeah, the film yeah. after seeing it. Right. <laughs> Gutted when it was fast-forwarded on the airplane, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cigar girl, though. Surely, I mean, why is she... Oh, because she offers him a cigar. Yeah. Yeah. Surely the main cigar <laughs> moment in the whole opening sequence, though, is... The uh, bit with Moneypenny. Oh, gosh. We, Rob, we will get to that. I couldn't believe <laughs> yeah. that. I, I definitely didn't remember that. I was no. probably too young to understand. So, you know, surely Moneypenny should be known as Cigar Girl. <laughs> Brilliant. And <mixing. laughs> not, you know, well, Bank you know. Hot air balloon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, hidden ass. Yeah. The numbers are not <laughs> in your fi- yeah. figures. Would you like to check my figures? Yeah, we get, we get all these things. <laughs> hidden <laughs> assets... In the yeah. credits, just figure. You know, that is the name yeah, of the character, yeah. figure. It's so good, isn't it? Uh, Brilliant. We, we then see, um, well, we've seen it many times in the trailer for No Time to Die, eventually, the briefcase and rope off the... I couldn't believe that, to be honest. So, what the, it's uh, so similar. Do you not think oh, in I, the trailer, I, in the tan suit, <laughs> no, no Time to Die, swing off the bridge. 
I'm sure he's holding something as well. But anyway, well, I, I think the big difference here is this is very cool. <laughs> very cool. Yeah. <laughs> Unnecessary goading. Sorry. Go on, John. <laughs> Just going on what Rob said. One of the reasons why this is so cool is David Arnold's score that came yeah, in at this yeah. moment. That bass line, dung, 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 like, oh, I was absolutely buzzing. And I think that this time round, just after watching Skyfall before, has reignited my my probably underappreciated passion for um, for David Arnold. Because Ooh, yeah. what he manages to do in this score, he manages to put a, a, a relatively modern spin, but it's it's so obviously bond throughout this thing and this bit here when it comes in and the man looks up after he's just um been knocked out and you just you know you are imagine this at the cinema you just know you're in a bond film at that point mm. it is superb immerses you in i love it yeah, yeah. I, I think um the, the <laughs> you're not in any doubt that this is super spy territory and this is aspirational <laughs> you know you want to be yes. this guy this guy's an absolute legend. This dude um, doesn't actually doesn't question anything. I know I'm not making any sideways jibes anyway. No, no. But <laughs> the, James Bond. Part of the thing about James Bond is that two people, to viewers, yeah. he is aspirational. He's exactly, a hero, yeah. and he's really yeah, and cool that, doing it. And he, no, no, no. You go. You he's go. massively cool. He uses some oh, of the gear the counterweight for himself. No, it's a yeah, Bond it's, moment. It's brilliant. It owns um, its let, Bond. The, sorry, Matt. The, the Bond music that, that Arnold provides. No, mate, and, no. And I, I, just, <laughs> I just love that. You know, that's what we want. If anything, like um, they're the quite low rent. These baddies going off their furniture choices because that ornate <laughs> desk goes to bits very easily, does it? <laughs> 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 you know, the terrible flat pack. No, it's, it's all so Bond. It's all so fun. He's in a suit. He looks amazing. Smashing the world to pieces. Um, does something very, very cool to get out of it. And Bond is all about um, turning the odds over. Bond goes into the situation totally confident, despite the fact that the odds are overwhelmingly against him. And smashes it out of the park. Gets the information he needs. And he's out. He's gone. We're up and running. Bond's away. He's so good, isn't he? The Arnold music's quite, it's like unsettling as well to start with before we get into the Bond when he's sort of checking everybody out and yeah. he knows he's in a difficult situation. It's like swelling in the background and then it goes full on. <laughs> Do you love the. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wanted to ask the, uh, the Rob about where there, right? come in the, uh, the guys with the red hats. I think one of them started staring at the camera at one stage, which I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> it's extraordinary. I'm if you saw them, if they were police officers, if you saw them. Yeah. 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 Well, well, Heck, yeah. I, don't, what, I don't know whether what, I've got any. If they were face- crowd control at a match. They're like Vatican City, weren't they? Police. <laughs> what? Just a minute. Like, I'm going to. You know, live Google search, what is going yeah, on here? So, well, you know, what would I type in? Twine opening sequence? No, no one would yeah. know what twine means. <laughs> well, they've got to in Spain, isn't it? Don't you? But presumably opening they're sequence realistic bank. style guards, I don't know. Um, well, they only oh, just well, get to come on afterwards. Oh, dear. No, yeah. not right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> oh, I've got the Bilbao meeting. Here we go. This is... <laughs> oh, no, I've got a Deliveroo advert. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> just give me a second goodness me oh yeah that they've done the whole thing um, there he goes he's out the window the table is crushing oh it's an electric guitar as he goes out the window yeah oh, yes it builds up <laughs> oh. here they come in 
<laughs> just look at the camera. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Red berries, um, oh. sort of black onesies uh, with no. those, uh, <laughs> no. you know, like what do they call them? Epaulettes? Is that what you call them? Yeah. On the yeah. on the side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> I'm so sorry, Matt. I feel I've let down the side here by not being on point there. <laughs> you know, I love that in in this YouTube clip they are in for under a second. <laughs> Yeah, this yeah, is the forensic yeah. detail you will yeah. get from the Really 007 podcast. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, John, yeah. your, your cousin is in it for possibly 20 times more than... <laughs> yeah. yeah, 20 times more famous than, than those people that walked in. <laughs> but you're right, I mean, they've got, oh. they've got shades of um, the like a, up, updated version of... Um, like Lump-a-lumpers? Emperor's Crimson Guard, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a militant oh, version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, great pre-credits, and of course, this isn't even the the, the bit people mainly remember from the pre-credit sequence. <laughs> Before we get to the boat chase, though, we've got yes, Rob, we've got this money penny scene. Which is, I mean, basically, it's the most. It's like Spy Hard, isn't it? It's it's like a spoof of a a money penny scene. They're they're in each other's faces, and then I I, I didn't think I would be mentioning this word. I, I'm going to have to say it. I know where to put that. I, I mean. Toy? No. <laughs> we assume it's a, a reference to a. I, th- I think. No? I think what, watching Tom Flounder here yeah, is more enjoyable. Well, <laughs> what? <laughs> what, what they put in David Brent's office? I'll just say that. <laughs> it, it's very crude for a. Yeah. I am right. Yeah. Now. I mean, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, what else is it going to be? Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, one last close for no cigar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's I think like it's not very becoming of them both because they're both realistic ages to one another. And is this is this workplace conversation? This you know, like, is, this, is this normal? <laughs> well, I mean, like, I mean, Brosnan and Samantha Bond have had some good. They've had some good chemistry, actually, mm. haven't they? I mean, Goldeneye especially. Goldeneye's got a lot of very strong chemistry. And actually, Samantha Bond comes across really well in that scene. She gets the upper hand on him, really. Yeah. There's a lot of flirty <laughs> flirty banter in um, Tomorrow Never Dies. and some seriously crude references in that about <laughs> how much pumping you'll have to do yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. And um, <laughs> but M was the one who told him to pump for information. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. <laughs> yeah, they're all You'll just dirty have to decide dogs. how much pumping is needed. <laughs> um, this one, this one to me, if I had, I'm not going to call it a criticism because I think that Michael Apted actually reigns it in well. But I think that you can definitely see Purvis and Wade's uh, <laughs> teenage. Purvis and Wade. Purvis and Wade. You can, see, <laughs> you can see their like teenage Purvis boy scripts coming yeah. through in some of this, can't you? And, and, it, and, it's like yeah. it's like Beavis and Butthead is scripting a Bob movie. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's what they're called now, Purvis and Butthead. Bless oh, them. Um, and and basically, yeah. I reckon in this one, Michael Apted's basically tried to write, rein it in, and then they've just got 
a partner in crime with Tamahori in the next one. And he was like, yeah. oh, yeah, we'll go even Whoa. further. We'll just do a sex simulation scene on a VR computer <laughs> yeah. instead. I mean, just like... Only the score saves it. <laughs> the score, the score <laughs> to Dad. Uh, it, it is brilliant. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> Dad. <laughs> Dad's score is amazing. <laughs> dad, fam. my dad opening yeah. the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> we get yeah. So after that slightly awkward scene, we then traditionally then go into the M scene, another M scene. Yes, we've got Sir Robert King there, played by TV actor David Calder. We read Laura Toxford together. We we learn that from the two of them. Bond because he's a good detective, he's a good spy. He you can tell from the moment. I think he's he's sussing him out a bit. He's certainly not as keen on him as Em is. No, I was going to say, I really like this. Um, this is an old school scene, this um, this tiny little bit before the running and chasing and all that kind of stuff, which is all great. But I mean, that this bit where it's the middle of the day and they're on the, the hard stuff. And yeah. it's like, come the in, Scots. let's have a drink. You know, would you like a drink, James? You know, like that kind of that, yeah. I love all that. That's Yours, brilliant. Isn't it? Yeah, all super stuff. Um, really like it. And it, it's it's super in keeping with the series um the set's great i'd love to have seen more of that m's office set because having that um she's got the desk sort of on a diagonal in the middle of the room hasn't yeah. she it looks really cool yeah i'd <laughs> yeah. like to have seen more of that um and again dench is great as m she's a great really m she, yeah. got no trouble whatsoever with this this is great I keep saying that I've got no trouble. Like there's trouble coming. Yeah, it's <laughs> not with this. You know, no, there isn't trouble coming. It's just like because people, you know, obviously get a bit upset yeah, about absolutely. the world is not enough, and I nearly said tomorrow never die. <laughs> well, you know, there people yeah, get well, upset with these the things, problem. you know, and they look like, oh, this is terrible. But like, this is all totally in keeping with the movies that we've loved yeah. for generations before. Absolutely. It really is. So you know, and things like this add to that perception. That's it for part one of our in-depth review of The World Is Not Enough. But join us for part two, where we actually finish off the pre-title sequence. Bond goes to Scotland, and we meet Q's replacement, Art. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.